An evangelist was preaching in a non-spirit-filled church in Alabama. And he was doing a 10 o'clock morning Bible study down in the basement of the church. And as he got to preaching about halfway through that message, a little old lady raised her hand, 82-year-old woman. She raised her hand and she said, Preacher, she said, this is a good teaching, and I, I appreciate the preaching. But she said, I'd like for you to stop. Preacher stopped in the middle of the message. He said, well, ma'am, he said, you're old enough to be my grandmother. I'll, I'll, I'll stop out of respect, but may I ask you why? She said, Preacher, I just want you to close your Bible and stop. It's not that I don't like the teaching. She said, but I'm hungry in my heart. She said, Preacher, I have, uh, I'm the president of the women's Christian ministry here in this church. She said, I, am, uh, I was the wife of the chairman of the board for 25 years. She said, I'm the oldest living member of this church. I'm a charter member. She says, as a matter of fact, I have taught the Susanna Wesley Women's Bible Study for 50 years in this church. She said, and all that's great, and I appreciate your Bible study this morning, but I'm hungry in my heart, Preacher. She said, I've been waiting for 50 years knowing that I'm missing something. And she said, and preacher, you know what it is. She said, preacher, I'm hungry in my soul. Close your Bible because I want, I want something that you have that I don't have. Right there before the preacher could answer, evidently her niece stood up and her niece said, Aunt Martha, I'm in right there in the middle of his message. Aunt Martha. Don't talk like that. What are you talking about? Don't talk like that, Aunt Martha. You're my Sunday school teacher. You're shaking my faith. To which the little old lady said, well, honey, this isn't about you. And this isn't about the Bible study or the Sunday school class. This is about an 82-year-old woman that has a hunger in her heart. And she looked and she told her niece, she said, something's missing in my life. She looked at the preacher. She said, something's missing, preacher. She said, close your Bible. I know you know what it is. She said, I can see it in your face last night when you were preaching. She said, there's a difference in your ministry. There's a difference in you. She said, and you know what it is I need. And I'm not leaving here in this basement until I get it. The preacher said, ma'am, receive the Holy Spirit. To which she laid her Bible down. She walked to the front of that altar area in that old basement. Got down on that old tile floor. And she said, Preacher, I'm not leaving here till I receive it. In Jesus' name. Now this is a Christian woman. This is a wonderful woman of God. A saint of God. We're not talking about some sinner in the crack house in the hood somewhere smoking dope. I'm talking about a Christian woman in ministry that said something's missing. She knelt down on that tile floor. She said, I'm not leaving here till I receive what I'm missing. And they laid hands on her and she received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Somebody say amen. And right there on that tile floor, kneeling down at 82 years of age, she threw her hands toward heaven and she shouted, I got it. I got it. I got it. Oh, I want to come to ask somebody here today, is there a hunger in your heart? Are you hunger? Are you hungry for the difference maker in your life by the name of the Holy Ghost? Somebody say amen. 
Folks, there are good Christian people. There are good Christian people in ministry. And they're doing ministry. And they're, good, they're living a good Christian life. But they're living in a closet of starvation. When God wants to fill them with a buffet of the Holy Ghost. Somebody say amen. And that leads me to my first point, and that is this. Experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Experience is the word for the day. Everybody say experience. Experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let's take a look at Acts chapter 8, verse 14 through 18. And I want to I show you, it's beyond the overhead. I want to show you very clearly today that you do not automatically receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit when you get saved. There are, there's confusion out there that says, oh, and I got saved, I got the Holy Spirit. Well, you got a measure of the Holy Spirit. But you didn't necessarily receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They're two separate works of grace. So let's look at this. I'm going to show you a couple of passages proving this today. How many want to learn something from the Bible today? Amen. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God. How many say that they're saved? Right? You accept the word of God, you get saved. So they sent Peter and John to Samaria. I mean, you, you know, there's some people that are just gifted in some areas and, and others are not. And so they saw that they got saved. So they, I, I picture like the cleaner. They sent the cleaners in. Give them the Holy Ghost. When they arrived, they, pray for the, they prayed for the new believers. Everybody say new believers. So are they Christians? Yes, they are. They prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Now, wait a minute, preacher. I thought if I got saved, I got the Holy Ghost automatically. Then why did they pray for them to receive the Holy Spirit? Verse 16, watch. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. Are you seeing this? You can be saved and not have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Very clearly, they had received the word. Very clearly, they were new believers, yet the Bible very clearly says they had not yet received the Holy Spirit. They had only been baptized in water in the name of the Lord Jesus. Are you seeing that salvation is separate from the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Then Peter and John placed their hands on them. I love it. And then they received the Holy Spirit. Wow. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and so forth. Now, you can't be about tongues primarily. We're supposed to desire the Holy Spirit. I think some people don't receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit because what they're really after is speaking in tongues. We're Jesus seekers, not tongue seekers. Amen? We, we go after the person of the Holy Spirit, and out of the person of the Holy Spirit comes speaking in tongues. That's the way it's supposed to work. Somebody say amen. Now... The baptism of the Holy Spirit is not a doctrinal issue. Poke your neighbor and say, it's not a doctrinal issue. And get ready. Poke your other neighbor and I want you to shout right in their ear. You ready? I mean, man, just wake them up. Just say, it's an experiential issue. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is not a green card to get punched so you can go to work. It's about the person of the Holy Spirit coming inside of you. Empowering you to do the work for Christ. Giving you help as you walk out this Christian life. He, we are to enjoy His presence. Somebody shout amen. The baptism, the, the Holy Spirit is not an obligation. He is an opportunity to enjoy. It's an opportunity to enjoy the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Listen, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it should be a thing of pleasure. It should be a fun, enjoyable experience. Everybody shout experience. Yeah. 
The Holy Spirit is not a doctrine, folks. He is a person that you receive. We are to experience Him. Evidence in the dictionary means this. A direct observation of or participation in events as a base of knowledge, something personally encountered, undergone, or lived through. Listen, when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, everything in my life changed. You know, it's one thing to walk with somebody hand in hand. It's another to have God Himself living inside of you. And He changed me. He helped me. Man, He helped me almost immediately to quit drinking and gambling and cussing and lying. And and eventually helped me to quit stealing cable. Hallelujah. We, We should come before God. And we should ask God, oh God, send the Holy Spirit to deliver me, to set me free, to fill me to overflow. And you remember the sponge last week and being filled with the Spirit. We need to be filled with the person of the Holy Ghost. Look, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But the reverse is also true. Where there is liberty, the Spirit of the Lord is there. If you've been set free, if you've had freedom in your life, if you've been set free from any bondage, I'd like for you to raise your hand. I mean, you've been totally set free from some type of bondage. Look at all the hands around. Hold them up high. Everybody look around. Guess what? Somewhere in there, the Holy Ghost is the one set you free. Hallelujah. Can we give him a hand clap of praise? The Holy Spirit needs to be as unique in everyone else as he is in us. He will move in different ways with all of us. Why? Because we're all different. It's not a cookie cutter approach like a neighborhood where you got the same three style houses throughout the whole neighborhood. God's not a cookie cutter God. He created us all differently with different tastes and we're wired all differently. So guess what? The Holy Spirit will move in us all differently. Somebody shout a good amen for that. The Holy Spirit is a joyful occasion in our walk with Christ, not some obligation. Do not walk away from this series and so on. Now I'm obligated to get the Holy Ghost. No. It's a joyful thing. I don't feel obligated to have to spend time with Holly. There have been times where we didn't see eye to eye. I'm, on, I'm, I'm treading on thin ice right now. I'm going to be very careful in my words. Yeah, Holly said, and you repented. <laughs> After 24 and a half years, I just said, yes, ma'am. Yes, I did. I repented. Yes. Listen, it's a joyful thing to be able to be with her. You know, yesterday we had we had some some time off, and it was a busy week. And and Kaylin and Aaron went to Perfect North for I don't know six or seven hours, and they were like, "Dad, you going?" I thought, "No way, I'm not going over there. I'm tired." <laughs> and they laughed, and man, I was like, "The house is quiet, and man, this is great." Me and Holly just talked, and we had a great time. Listen, it's a joyful thing. I it wasn't an obligation. Oh. Great, i got to give my Saturday to Holly. Here we go again. You know, what's she going to want to talk about this time? Listen, it's the same way with God. Why would we ever go to the prayer closet with an attitude? Oh, well, you know, let me put my 30 minutes in today. 
Let me see what I got to read my Bible now today. No, it should be a joyful thing. Wow, man, I get to go meet with the creator of the universe. I get to go meet with God. I get to see what God has to say to me. Do you feel the difference? Somebody shout amen. Man, when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, everything changed. As I, as I told you, some of the bad things. But here's some of the good things. I, I don't know how to describe to you, but, but the grass and the trees were greener. The flowers were prettier. The birds sang more beautifully. It was like I had joy in my life. I had new eyes to see things. It was like I began to see things like God began to see things. I, I don't know about you. This is a wonderful thing. Amen. There's beautiful things out there in the world that God meant for us to enjoy. And one of them is a walk with the Holy Spirit. Luke eleven thirteen 13 says this. If you then, though you are evil, I love how God doesn't mince words. If you then, even though you're a bunch of e- evil scallywags, know how to give good gifts to your children. And by the way, he's speaking to us. <laughs> how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? I have a question. If you're not saved, why would you want the Holy Spirit in your life? The very fact that you would ask the Father for the Holy Spirit indicates that you're saved. Amen? Here's the problem. Some churches teach the book of Acts like it's a museum. They, they don't, they don't, they say it's not for today. They'll say it's not like Matthew and it's not like Romans, preacher. I'm telling you, you know, that old Acts, that was for that day and age. But Romans and Matthew, now that's for us today. And so they'll walk you through the book of Acts and they'll teach it like something that happened but ended. Like it's a museum. Like you're at the Smithsonian in Washington and you look and you go, oh, there's the tin cup Abraham Lincoln drank out of when he was a boy. And that's the way they teach it. But I want to tell you the book of Acts and the Holy Spirit did not end in the book of Acts. Of all the books in the New Testament, most have the word amen at the end, which means so let it be and it's done. In the book of Acts, there is no amen in Acts 28. That means we're living out Acts 29 and Acts 30 and Acts 31. Somebody say amen. That means it's continuing to go. The book of Acts and the Holy Spirit is not a museum to tour through of what once was. It's like a roller coaster park going through to experience what is. You know, Kings Island got that new ride coming out. How many of you are excited about that? I know. I, we, I told Holly, we're not doing a gold pass this year. And then I drove by and saw that big old roller coaster. I thought, well, I don't know. I think I want to do the gold pass again this year. I want to go ride that roller coaster. Amen. Now, listen, you could go to the roller coaster park and you could look and see the ride. You can see the people on it having fun and laughing. You can get close enough to hear the terrifying screams. You can even, if you're close enough, get a spray of their puke coming all over you if you want to. <laughs> you can look, you can imagine in your mind, you can see it, you can hear it, you can whatever it. But listen to me, until you get on that roller coaster, you will never know what it's like to experience it. In the same way, you can come to a church like this. You can hear about the Holy Spirit. You can see other people filled with the Holy Spirit. You can see, you can hear, you can all that stuff. But until you decide, I'm like that 82-year-old woman, I am hungry for the Holy Ghost in my life, you will never know what it's like to experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit. How many wants to experience Him? Jesus wants you to invite the Holy Spirit into your life to experience Him, to experience fellowship with Him. The very last verse in the book of Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 13, says this. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, how many say, oh yeah, I want the grace. (laughs) 
and the love of God. That's the agape love of God. How many tell? Yes, I want the agape love of God too. And the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. That's a blessing. He is saying, I want you to experience the Holy Spirit. Fellowship's about experience. I can't experience a relationship if I don't have time together with that person. He's saying, I want you to experience the fellowship, the relationship of the Holy Ghost. Somebody say, I want it. Amen. So watch this, Acts chapter 18. Now, as I get into Acts 18 here, I want you to see something. I want you to know that Acts was written, all the books of the Bible written as a long letter. We put chapters and verses to make it easier for us. But it's a continuous flow from 18 to 19. And you've got to understand that as I, as I unpack this here for a few minutes. Acts chapter 18, verse 24 through 25. I love this. Now, a Jew named Apollos. Apollos uh, from Alexandria by birth, an eloquent man, came to Ephesus. Just hold the scriptures until I'll call for the next as I go. He was a Jew from Alexandria. He's probably a Hellenistic Jew. And he's actually named after a Greek god, Apollos. He's an Egyptian Jew, actually. His mother was a Jew, so, his, so his, you, they would trace the lineage through the mother's uh, line in the, in the Jewish history. But his dad was most likely Egyptian. He is mighty in scriptures. You see here it says he was mighty in the scriptures. But the scriptures that he was mighty in was the Old Testament Torah, the first five books of the Bible. So he's a, he's a Jewish evangelist, if you will. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit, he was speaking and teaching accurately the things concerning Jesus being acquainted only with the baptism of John. So he is, he is speaking about Jesus, but he's speaking from a perspective as of someone who had not yet received himself. He is going through the Torah and he's talking about, well, yeah, man, Moses wrote, there's, there's messianic prophecies there. And man, the Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. At this point, he doesn't know Jesus has already come. So he is, he is fervently, he has got, he's got fire down in his bones and he's preaching about this. And matter of fact, what you may not know is Apollos became one of the three greatest lights of the New Testament. We all know, of course, Jesus, but outside of Jesus, we all know Peter and Paul. But did you know that Apollos was the third great light? As a matter of fact, Paul equated Apollos with himself. So watch this in the next verse. In verse 26 it says, and he began to speak out boldly in the synagogue. So he, is, he doesn't have Jesus yet, but he's prophesying about Jesus is going to come. In the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila, they were a husband and wife who had a house church, heard him. They took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. In other words, hey, Jesus has already come. Well, he gets all excited and faith rises in his heart and he gets saved. Well, now in verse 27, I want to see what happens here. In verse 27, he heads to southern Greece. He leaves Ephesus. When he wanted to go across to Achaia, the brethren encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. And when he had arrived, watch this, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. For he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, demonstrating by the scriptures that Jesus was in fact the Christ. So he's using his fiery, passionate uh, personality. He's using his understanding of the Torah. He is using his great preaching ability. And he heads to southern Greece. He leaves Ephesus. And when he leaves there, he leaves disciples, the disciples of Apollos. So you've got to catch this. The disciples of Apollos in Ephesus 19 are now passionately and fiery preaching the baptism of John. So Paul and Apollos flip 
flip-flop, right? Paul goes from southern Greece to Ephesus. Paulus goes from Ephesus to southern Greece. Paul walks into the synagogue at Ephesus in chapter 19, verse 1. Remember, there's no breaks in the original. It's just one continuous letter. Paul shows up, and the Bible says in verse 1, it happened that while Paulus was at Corinth, Paul passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus and found some disciples. My question is, what disciples did he find? He found disciples of Apollos waiting for the coming Savior, Jesus. So verse 2, he says to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? Leave this up for just a minute. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you, when you believe? In other words, it's possible not to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit when you believe. And they said to him, like the church I grew up in, We have not even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. How many of you have ever been in a church like that? See, salvation and baptism of the Holy Ghost are two separate works of grace. They can happen at the same time. They are different works of grace. Here's my question. Would the disciples have gone to hell if they had died between the crucifixion and the ascension? And the answer is no way. Then what's the purpose of the upper upper room? To give us power to do the work of God. To give us a helper to help us through this life. Somebody say amen. Now, Paul's discerning something's very strange here. He's, he's discerning right off the bat something's not right here because their answer is very strange. They say, I, we've not even heard of the Holy Ghost yet. You mean to tell me you have a group of Jewish, a, a synagogue full of Jewish men who've never read the Old Testament? No. The problem is Paul's using a verb and a noun at the same time. If, the, if he had asked, have you heard of the Holy Spirit, the Ruach, yet? They would have said yes. But he said, have you received the Holy Spirit, the Ruach, yet? And they were confused. It's kind of like this. If I go on a trip to Washington, D.C., and I find a sandwich shop that throws everything on it, and they call it a dump truck, and I love it, I come back to Cincinnati, and I say, hey, have you guys had a dump truck yet? You look at me, and you say, no, we don't know what you're talking about. It's not that you don't know what a dump truck is. It's that you've never eaten the sandwich called the dump truck. That's kind of what Paul is doing here. And so verse 3, he says, okay, well then in what to wor- in, into what were you baptized? Were you baptized in the name of the Father, Son of the Holy Ghost? They said, no, we're, we're, we were baptized into John's baptism. And he's like, ding, 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 I see we have a problem here. <laughs> you guys aren't even saved. Verse 4, Paul says, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling people to believe in him who was coming after him, that is in Jesus. Somebody say amen. Amen. So verse 5, he explains the word to them. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. In other words, faith rose in them and they said, yes, we believe Jesus is the Messiah. We receive. And they got baptized in water. So everything's great. Verse 6, though, watch this. So they've already believed. Verse 5, they believe. Verse 6, watch this. When Paul had laid his hands upon them, then the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. If spirit baptism is automatic at salvation, then why did Paul lay hands on them to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Folks, they're two separate works of grace. A kiss and a hug are different things. Now, they may happen at the same time, but they're very different things. Amen. Just go on if you sit next to your wife and make sure it's your wife and give her a good kiss on the cheek. It'll be all right. Amen. Go ahead. I give you permission. Yeah. There you go. The Bible is clearly teaching us that we are to experience the Holy Spirit. Everybody say experience the Holy Spirit. Point number two is this. Experience 
speaking in other tongues. They all spoke in tongues. Acts 19 and Acts 2, the Bible says, when they all got filled with the Holy Spirit, they all spoke in other tongues. Speaking in tongues, folks, is not evidence for someone else. It is God giving you, the person receiving the Holy Spirit, evidence that you have been baptized with the Holy Spirit. How else will you know you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit if there's not some kind of sign? And the sign, I believe, very clearly shows us in New Testament that it is speaking in other tongues. I really believe this. A lot more people could speak in tongues than do. And in an effort to help people to help people want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, or let me say this a different way. In an effort to get other people to speak in other tongues, sometimes we actually hurt things more than we help them. Look up, look down, press ahead, lean back. Shake. Lower your head. I mean, you know, push on people. Listen, people don't need to be caused to speak in tongues. They need to be liberated to speak in tongues. Pentecostals will claim everything by faith except the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The same faith that takes you to receive salvation is the same faith that takes you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. His word says he's for us. Do I want to receive? If so, I receive in Jesus' name. Amen. And Pentecost, here's the problem. Pentecostals, people that, are, that, are, that, that, that are, want to get baptized in the Holy Spirit, many times what they're waiting on is God to grab their tongue and just flap it for them. And that's not what God's going to do. Amen? We are part of the process. That means we have to use our tongues and speak. Speaking in other tongues is evidence for you folks, not someone else. Sometimes Christians would rather call it right than get it right. And listen, people today are open to the supernatural. They have no problem with speaking in other tongues or the supernatural gifts. I, I'm finding people are open to this. So yes, okay, if it's spiritual, it's for me. I want it. The problem now is teaching them not to speak in tongues on Wednesday night and go have a seance and hang crystals on the windows on Thursday nights. Somebody say amen. How, how do you teach a non-spirit-filled person that speaking in tongues is biblically Accurate. First, ask them, do you believe the Bible is the Word of God? I'd like to see a showing of hands. How many of you believe the Bible is the Word of God? Secondly, do you believe the Bible is the inerrant Word of God? It means there's no errors. You raise your hand. Okay. These are devastating questions for non-Pentecostals when it comes to the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. Because what do you do with quite a bit of the New Testament then? Do you take some and throw it out? God put it there for us to have. Amen. I want to tell you, you can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And listen to me. This is going to crawl all over some old-timey Pentecostals, but I, I want you just to prepare yourself. Just poke your neighbor and say, get ready. Okay. In an effort to, to try to get people to want to speak in tongues, here's what we'll have to do sometimes in the Pentecostal church. Now, brother or sister... You go pray in tongues, the devil can't understand what you're saying. So I have, I have two problems with that. Number one, the devil went to the throne of God in the book of Job and spoke directly, directly. If speaking in tongues is glossolalia, a heavenly language, then the devil obviously knows it. Here's my second problem. That's like saying, well, then when your prayers are in English, the devil's going to go around and gobble them up. That is a very dumb argument. Listen, what is the devil, Pac-Man? Is he going around like an Atari game and he's going, oh, Steve's praying in English. I'm going to gobble him up. So now all of a sudden we have an enemy between us and God that's gobbling our prayers up so God can't hear them. 
That is totally unbiblical. The Bible is very clear that he has an ear to hear what we're praying. When we pray to God, God hears it. Listen, the devil's not going to gobble your prayer up in English, but because you're speaking in tongues, somehow that gets through and the other doesn't. No, nowhere do you find anything like that in the Bible. I want to tell you something. And I, here's another thing. I, I just Can I just get this off my chest? Amen. Good, okay, when I do this, I feel like this is therapy hour for me. Amen. You may not like it, but I feel a ton better. Amen. <laughs> The devil's not omnipotent. I mean, if he's gobbling up your prayers, Lisa, that means mine are getting through. So what are we going to do? Roll the dice. Is the devil near me? I, I need to get my prayers through today. That's not how it happens. That makes the devil more powerful than God and the authority he's given us. He's not over us. We're over him. Somebody say amen. And listen, I, I just, I hate to break it to you. I, he can only be in one place at one time. I, I, can I just be bare bones honest with you? I love you. You're wonderful spiritual people. I am too. Listen, the devil's not that scared of our prayers that they're so earth shattering that he's hanging out in your prayer closet trying to gobble up what you're praying. Listen, speaking in tongues is a beautiful thing that happens out of a relationship with the Holy Ghost. Somebody say amen. I feel like I just lost the whole crowd, but I preached the truth. Amen. I better go on. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 through 27. The same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. He doesn't say, well, you know, the devil's going to come by and eat your English prayers up, so he's going to pray in the Spirit so he can get through. No, he says, when you don't know how to pray like you should, the Holy Spirit will pray through you. One day when we were in Bremen uh, Church, we didn't have much money. The copier broke down. So I called the copier office, you know, saying, hey, can you give me a quick fix? You know, basically, I'm trying to avoid paying for a technician to come fix it. And I quickly discovered I didn't know... <laughs> I didn't know how to even describe what was broken. I didn't know the names of the parts. I didn't know how to, to say what, what was wrong or what was going on. And finally, they said, sir, we just need to send a technician out. I said, okay, fine. So here come the technician. The technician's playing with it. And he gets on the phone with the office. And, and the, the technician's talking in language I don't understand. He's naming off parts. He's naming off stuff happening. So I have no idea what's going on. Next thing I know, he's got a part and he's fixed the thing. That's all that I cared about at the time. But listen, my need was met because someone came and communicated to headquarters in words I could not express. That's what the Holy Spirit does in our life. He shows up inside of us and he sees what's broken and he communicates to headquarters to the Father in ways I can't express. And I may not be able to understand it. I may not be able to comprehend it. But all I know is he fixes it. <laughs> Someone say amen. All praying in tongues is praying in the spirit. But not all every time are you praying in the spirit are you praying in tongues. You, you're, you may be praying in English and, you, and you're praying in the spirit. And that's perfectly acceptable. It's biblical. Some people can actually speak in tongues but simply don't. They will say I'm willing. 
They'll have stammering lips and the Holy Spirit all over them, but they will not speak out. They're afraid they're going to pray something wrong or say something wrong. And so they're expecting God to somehow get his hand like a robot and move their mouth for them. No, you speak out when you have the Holy Ghost all over you and inside of you and you feel the unction. You just speak out what you're hearing. When that pastor's son, I felt in my spirit, I said, don't worry about what it sounds like. Just speak it out. And all of a sudden, bam, he started speaking in tongues. And, man, the fire went on. And his eyes were kind of big, like he couldn't believe what just happened. Listen, that's the Holy Spirit. But you've got to use your mouth and you've got to speak. This is what has to happen. Somebody say amen. Y'all looking at me like I'm preaching Greek today. Well, I am in some man's. Let me say what is the essence of the Holy Spirit? If you ask some people, they'll say it's pneumatological. What does that mean? The theology of the Holy Spirit. And they'll say, Luke eleven thirteen. 13, If you then, being evil, now to give gifts to your children, how much more should your Father in heaven give to those the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? That's the, that's the essence of the Holy Spirit. I, I believe that's wrong. And I, I, my mentors think that's wrong. Colossians 1, 27, it's incarnational. It's relational. It's experiential. To whom God willing to make known what is the riches of the glory and His mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. Christ is the anointed one and the anointing. If Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, who's inside of me? The Holy Ghost. Is this the word of God today? The problem is the you. The you in us is what gets all mixed up. So let me close with this. And I want you to stick, I want you to pay very close attention for the next couple of minutes. Because I'm going to throw, I'm going to throw something at you that's going to maybe rock your world. We have been trained. And we have been taught to desire the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which we should. We have been taught, well, if you want, you know, he'll, he'll help your walk. He'll help you. And, and we, we have been taught as a, as a church, as a Christendom, that it's okay if we don't want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want to examine this for just a second. John chapter 20, verse 22. And when Jesus, he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Stop right there. Do you know that's a command, not a suggestion? It's not a hint. It's not a suggestion. He's not a luxury. He's not a charismatic option. It is a command of God. This was Jesus speaking. God will not command you to do something that he will not provide for you what you need. Let me further prove to you the second witness. Ephesians chapter 5, 18. And I want you to leave this up. Be not drunk with wine in which is dissipation or debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Everybody say, be filled. He does not infer that you may be filled with the Spirit, if you like, or you can just do whatever you please in this respect. This verse, verse 18, just like other commands to love one another and not to steal... This is a command of God. Be filled with the Spirit is not add on that luxury item if you like. It is a command from God. Everybody say command. Is everybody seeing this? Listen, in the Greek, in the original Greek language, it is expressed in the imperative form, meaning it is a command no different than any other command in the Bible. Thou shalt not kill, be filled with the Spirit. Thou shalt not lie, be filled with the Spirit. It is a command just like the other commandments. Is it okay to understand what the Bible really says? Some of you are squirming this morning and you shouldn't be. 
If God commands it, that means he will provide it. Listen, Greek, it, it, Greek scholars also note that the phrase be filled with the Spirit is in the Greek tense of continually being filled. That means it's not just a one-time experience, but a continual flow and a continual refilling. In the Greek present tense imperative, here's what it really says. But be filled and be filled. And be filled. And be filled Monday. And be filled Tuesday. And be filled Wednesday. And be filled next weekend. And be filled the rest of your life with the Holy Spirit. God again would not command something that he's not willing to refill us with. Somebody say amen. This is the good news. This tells me he will do it. Somebody shout hallelujah. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes, please? Point number three is this. You can just hear it. Experience the Holy Spirit daily. This is just what we were talking about. Be filled daily. Experience the Holy Spirit. Experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Experience speaking in other tongues. And experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit daily. Everybody say daily. Okay, close your eyes and bow your heads. Listen, God commanded us to experience the baptism and filling of the Holy Spirit. Let him fill you daily. God wants to experience, he wants us to experience speaking in other tongues daily. A relationship with God is supposed to be experienced daily. Altar workers, I want you to get ready. Please, nobody looking around. Other than if you're on the altar team, prayer team. Are you hungry this morning? Are you like the 82-year-old Sunday school teacher this morning that says, stop everything? I'm hungry and I'm not leaving church today until I'm filled. Stop preaching, preacher, because I'm missing something and I'm hungry and I want to be filled. That is you. I want you to raise your hand right now and just keep it up. Somebody's going to come by and pray with you. Come on, raise your hand up. I want to be filled never been filled you say I want it I know something's missing I want it would you raise your hand we're going to pray with you now for others how many would say and this is hopefully all of us I want to be refilled today afresh and anew I want to experience him afresh and anew again right now <laughs> I want to experience praying in tongues today. Yesterday's was great, but I want to pray in tongues again today. I want to experience the, the refilling and the refreshment of the Holy Spirit right now. If that's you, just raise your hands toward heaven and receive.